when we read the book of Acts, as we'll see in a second, Jesus told the disciples to wait. And that's a word that we don't particularly like anymore at the minute because it feels like over the last 14 months, we have done just enough waiting. Thank you, Jesus. There has been a lot of waiting. Waiting for things to reopen. Waiting for them to close again and then reopen again. Waiting for kids to go back to school. Waiting outside supermarkets and shops and lines. Waiting to see if we can uh, see our families. Waiting to see if we can travel. Waiting to see if we can go to Portugal at the end of June. Hoo-hoo! Green list. Um, waiting. There's been so much. <laughs> I was going to say I'm going to jinx that. I don't think that's a biblical word. But uh, waiting, waiting, waiting. You know, we had a, an experience of waiting this week. Uh, at the start of the week, we got a text message urgently from Wyallon Primary School to say that one of the kids in Elijah's class had tested positive for COVID, and uh, which was bad enough. The other thing that uh, made it just a little bit worse was that Elijah had been at his house just a few days before that. And so all three of us immediately went online and went, signed up and went and got tested at Kernan. And we had a day of waiting. Has anybody had a COVID test? Can you just... This case has been riddled, but um, <laughs> yeah, let's just say you're all negative. Um, yeah, it's, it's really pleasant, isn't it? Like if you've got a gag reflex, it's not, you know. And then I had to do it to Elijah and shove this thing up his nostrils, and just the biggest booger ever came out. And uh, yeah, I know, again, it's your first time here. Just get used to it. Um, but but uh, we we did these 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 three tests, and then we had 24 hours of waiting, waiting to see if. Because Elijah had been feeling a little bit off colour, Becky psychosomatically had been feeling a little bit off colour, and I am a machine, so I was fine. But uh, you know, uh, but we were waiting, and the next morning I got up, and we had three emails and three text messages to say all three of us were negative. And now Elijah and Becky aren't here today because Elijah still has to shield. But but uh, and I think he kind of wanted to be positive. If I'm being really honest, I think he kind of wanted that story of. You know, in 20 years, he can, 30 years, 30 years, hopefully, he can tell his kids, you know, I lived during the pandemic. Kids, let me tell you, I got COVID and I survived. You know, I think he kind of wanted that story, but he didn't get it. But we were waiting, and we're all waiting for things. You know, a lot of life is spent waiting, isn't it? A lot of life is spent waiting. I think everybody in this room is probably waiting on something waiting for a marriage to be restored or a relationship to be healed, waiting for a physical illness to be healed, waiting for a boyfriend or a girlfriend, a husband or a wife, waiting for a job, waiting to be delivered, set free from something that you've no control over. We, we, we all, I think life is, a, so much of life is just about waiting. And Jesus says this to the disciples. He's been resurrected from the dead. It's in the 40 days between his resurrection and his ascension back to heaven. He's talking to them about the kingdom of God. And he says this in verse uh, 4. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait. Wait for what? Wait for the gift my father promised that you've heard me speak about. Remember Jesus in John 14 16 had been talking about the counselor, another helper that would come. He says, wait. Wait for him. I know you're itching to get out. I know that you're dying to preach the gospel. I know that I've been risen from the dead. And I know that you think you're ready, but you're not ready. Wait, wait, wait for what? Well, wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He says, I know you think you're ready. 
but you're not ready yet, so wait. And sometimes in my life I have thought I've been ready for things. Maybe you've thought that. And we've thought God is going exceptionally slow. God has forgotten about us. God doesn't seem to be doing anything because we're ready, but he doesn't seem to be progressing things. But actually, sometimes we think we're ready, but we're not ready because there's something else that God wants to do in us or something else God wants to impart to us. And so they're waiting for the Holy Spirit. And look at what it says in verse 8. But you will receive power. Everyone say power. Power. Now set Northern Ireland. Power. Power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What are they waiting for? They're waiting for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And what will the baptism in the Holy Spirit it bring? It will bring power. That word is dunamis in the Greek, by which we get the word dynamic and dynamite. It will bring earth-shattering, explosive, life-changing power. This is not a gentle, this is a power that will change things. And these guys needed power. Why? It says, you will be my witnesses. You will receive power, not just so you can have some hyper-spiritual experience or get goosebumps or get tingles. You will receive power for purpose. And that is that you would be my witnesses, that you would be people who go out there and live and speak and share the gospel. And these guys needed power because just Seven weeks or six weeks before this, they'd all backslidden. They'd spent three years with Jesus, and then when it came to the crunch, I don't know him. I'm not with him. And they cleared off, and they ran away from him, and he needed the most. They weren't exactly going to be witnesses in their own strength. But Jesus says, you know what? You're going to be my witnesses when you receive this dynamite, dynamic power. And that word for witness in Greek is martus from which we get the word martyr. In other words, you know what? You ran away the last time out of fear, but when you get the power of the Holy Spirit in you, you will be willing to die for the gospel. It will transform you from the inside. And isn't that what we see with Peter? That he actually, In fact, all the apostles were martyred, except possibly John, who they tried to kill, but he just died of old age in the end. All of them were martyred. In other words, when you receive this Holy Spirit power, it is not just for a a spiritual experience. It is so that you are willing to become a living sacrifice, someone who goes into the world and makes a difference, and you don't care what people think, and you don't care if you're persecuted, and you don't care if, if, if nobody wants to hear you, and you don't care if you're stoned, you don't care if you're rejected. All you care about is that you're doing what I've called you to do. You're being my witnesses. That's the sort of power Jesus is saying he wants to give. And so Acts 1, Jesus promises the power. Acts chapter 2, look at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now the day of Pentecost did not begin 2,000 years ago when the Holy Spirit came. The day of Pentecost was actually a Jewish festival or feast. It was one of the three main Jewish festivals. There was the, the, the Feast of Tabernacles, the, uh, the Festival of Tabernacles, the Festival of Passover, and the Festival of Weeks or Pentecost. And Passover, if you remember, celebrated or commemorated 
God bringing his people out of Egypt. Remember the, the, the ten plagues, the last one was the angel of death. How did they get a, how did it not affect them? They slaughtered a lamb, they painted the blood of the lamb in the doorpost, and the angel of death passed over. Why? Not because they were good people inside, but because they had the blood of the lamb on the door. When the angel saw the blood, he passed over. And Jesus took the Passover and he infused it with new meaning. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And on Passover, he hung on the cross and he shed his blood for us. And so that when we stand before God, we don't stand under judgment, but he sees the blood. Because we have repented and come to faith, he sees the blood. And we're spared hell. So Jesus infuses Passover with new meaning. 50 days later, we have Pentecost, and Pentecost was a different festival. It was the festival of first fruits, the festival of first fruits. And what happened was this, it was also known as the harvest festival, that the first fruits of the harvest they became ripe, were produced at this time. And what you did was you went to Jerusalem. If you didn't live there, you came from all over the world. You came to Jerusalem. And remember, in Passover, they had a lamb. In first fruits, they had two loaves. In other words, you took the barley or the wheat, and you made loaves, and you came and brought them as an offering to the Lord. Now, I was thinking about this earlier. What did the priests do with all of this bread? You ever think about that? Like hundreds of thousands of people bring you two loaves. After a while, you're like, I don't know where to put all these loaves. I'm going to start a sandwich shop. I don't know what to do. But, but they brought these breads. But you know what it symbolized? It was saying that this is the first of the harvest, but we know there's more to come. We know there's more to come. We know there's more good stuff to come. What a symbolic picture of Pentecost. God gives them the first roots. If you have an apple tree or if you have strawberry plants or something at home, won't you see the first one? You know there's more to come. You know there's more to come. And sometimes God will do that in our lives. Sometimes God will give us a little bit to see what we do with it. God was giving them a little bit and said, I want you to have an attitude of gratitude, thankfulness, and sacrifice. And if you have that, there'll be more to come. And sometimes God will give us a little bit of authority, a little bit of responsibility, a little bit of money, a little bit of something. And he'll say, I want to see what, it's a, it's a little bit. It's not all that you want, it's a little bit. And I want to see what you'll do with that. Because the Bible says, Jesus said, he who can be trusted with little can be trusted with much. The parable of the talents, what they did with the little bit they got, showed what they would do with a lot. And God sometimes will give us a little bit of authority. He'll give us a little bit of responsibility. And he'll say, you know what, if you can't handle that, he'll say, if you can't handle a small church like this, why would I give you a big church? If you can't handle a little bit of money, why would I give you a lot of money? He gives us a little as a first fruits to see how we handle it. And if we handle it with sacrifice and humility and responsibility, he's able to give us more. So this is the festival of first fruits. And the place is packed. Jerusalem is packed with pilgrims from all over the world. But like Dublin on St. Paddy's Day or the 12th of July, wherever it is. And, uh, and people are, are thronging the streets. There's a huge amount of noise. There's a huge amount of activity going on. But the disciples we read are all together in one place. There's 120 of them. We think it's the upper room maybe where Jesus had the final meal with them before the cross. And look at verses 2 to 4. Suddenly... Suddenly, keep that, keep that up there. Suddenly, they've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Because Jesus said in a few days. Now, what's a few to you? Two, three? If I said I'm giving you a few pound, 
you'd probably expect to get two or three pounds. This was 10 days later. 10 days, in other words, they've been waiting longer than they expected. And sometimes in life, God will promise us something, and we know it's going to come because he's promised it, but it takes longer than we expected. And we're longing, and we're praying, and we're waiting for a husband or wife, for a child, for, for, for a job, for, 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 for restoration. In our we're waiting, and we know that God has spoken to us, but we're waiting. And you know what then sometimes happens? A suddenly. Sometimes there's a suddenly. Sometimes God, we, we've been waiting and we almost, uh, things are moving so slowly and then there's a suddenly. God does a suddenly and everything accelerates really quickly. I have a friend in the States who, when I was with him a number of years ago, he said, come on for a drive and he's a Tesla, one of those self-driving cars. I just said, please put your hands on the steering wheel. I am too much of a control freak for that. I can't handle that. And he said, do you want to drive? I said, no, uh, I, I don't particularly. Um, but he said, watch this. And he said, it's like a golf cart on steroids. I said, what do you mean? He said, watch. And a Tesla, when it starts, it goes, and then it just goes, it starts slowly and then it accelerates quickly. And sometimes that's what God does in our lives. And I just, honestly, as I was reading over my notes this morning, God really drew my attention to that word suddenly. Some of you are going to experience suddenlies. You've been waiting, you've been praying, there's been delay, it feels like it's taken forever, and then suddenly things are going to happen quickly. I waited until I was 33, and then I met my wife, and then there was a suddenly, and we were engaged in four months. I believe even with a building for this church, we're going to see a suddenly. We're waiting, we're praying, we're longing, we're going to see a suddenly. Why don't you claim a suddenly for yourself? That thing you're waiting for, say, God, I've been waiting, I've been praying. Now I'm ready for a suddenly. Now I'm ready for something to happen. Now I'm ready for an acceleration. Suddenly, I need to keep going. Suddenly, a sound. So there was a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. So there was a sound. It doesn't actually mean a wind blew through the house. It means there was a... That was terrible. That's better. It was like blowing out candles when you were three years old, the first one. There was a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled. All of them were filled. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Imagine you come in here today, you're expecting a regular church service. As we're beginning, you hear a sound. It's like a hurricane. You hear a sound like a mighty wind, a violent wind. God isn't always gentle and quiet. It says a violent wind. And then you see what looks like tongues of fire coming down. And the tongues of fire break up and they land on each person's head. Her gel, you know, just... And then suddenly the person beside you is speaking Chinese. But they don't look Chinese. And the person on this side is speaking Italian. And they don't look Italian. And the person behind you is speaking Spanish. And the person in front of you is speaking Irish. And you're like, I don't like that. And, uh, and, 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 and there's all these languages that people have never learned and they're speaking them. That's what happened here. That is what happened. The Holy Spirit comes down and suddenly... They're baptized in the Spirit and they get these new languages. This is the birth of the church. The waters have broken. The baby is coming forth. The church has been birthed. And can I say to you, if there was no Holy Spirit, there would be no church. 
If there was no Holy Spirit, they had a bunch of disciples who enjoyed meeting together for a few years after Jesus died and rose and went back to heaven, and that would have been the end of it. But the Holy Spirit birthed the church, and we have the privilege and joy of experiencing that still today. And in 31 years of following Jesus, can I say there is nothing more important than being filled with the Spirit daily regularly being filled and refilled it is like a a stupid old analogy it is like trying to run a ferrari with no petrol it's a nice car but it doesn't work we need to be filled and refueled and refilled so that we can live the life that god has called us to live so that we can be his witnesses, so that we can serve, so that we can bring God's light into a dark and broken and needy and fearful world. It happens not through our strength, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And here's the great news. The same Holy Spirit that was poured out in them is available. He's not a diluted version. It's not like over 2,000 years he has been watered down. That same Holy Spirit is available in here and in your home today. Pentecostal is not a denomination. Pentecostal should be the experience of every Christian. I'm going to jump forward a little bit. So verse 4, they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That's what I want to think about today. Because this is a subject that confuses a lot of people. It confounds a lot of people. And the church is a controversial subject. Speaking in tongues. Some people are terrified of it. Some people love it. Some people are open to it. But don't do it. Some people are close to it. And don't want to do it. Some people think it died out with the first disciples or the first apostles. Some people think it's demonic. What does the Bible teach? That's what we want to look at in the rest of our time today. And I know some of you will know this already. Some of you speak in tongues. For some of you, you don't want to. And can I say, if that's you, that's okay in one sense. Hopefully by the end of it, you might have changed your mind. Because if I were you and you were a Christian, I would want anything good God can give me. But I really want to take a wee bit of time now just to go through what the scripture teaches. Then I want to talk about what I experienced in my own life about speaking in tongues. Two chapters that talk about tongues most, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14. We'll start at chapter 12 just for a little bit, then we'll move into 14. 1 Corinthians 12 says this. It's talking about all the gifts of the Spirit. And it says, to one there is given through the Spirit speaking in different kinds of tongues. Different kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. So tongues, here's the definition. Tongues is the ability of someone to pray or praise in a language that they've never learned. Or for God to speak through someone to people in a language that they've never learned. So there's two sides to it. There's speaking to God in a language that you've never learned. And there's God speaking through someone to people in a language that has never been learned. But the key is that it's not a language that they have learned. It's not like they did GCSE French and now they can speak in tongues. That's not what it's talking about. And there's two expressions of tongues. 
public and private. And I think this is where people get confused and this is where controversy starts. Because people misunderstand that there are two expressions of tongues. And I will show you that, I think, in the scripture. And two of, the public has two elements and the private is one. So let's go for the public. Public speaking in tongues, okay? The first type of speaking in tongues is this. Human known languages that have never been learned. Human known languages that have never been learned. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says this. So you know the love chapter, the one that's read at 83% of weddings. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels. Okay, the tongues of men are human languages. It's the languages that, and every culture has a language. Every nation has a language. You won't go anywhere in the world that they won't have some language. So that's the tongues of men and of angels. That's a heavenly language. If every culture has a language, why shouldn't we expect that heaven has a language? Or languages. Languages are part of the human experience because we want to communicate. And so heaven has languages and earth has languages. So if I speak in the tongues of men, the tongues of men are human languages. And isn't that what happened on Pentecost Sunday, that first Pentecost? The Holy Spirit came and they started speaking. And it actually, I don't have time to read it, but it says that there were people from Bithynia and from uh, all these different places around the, the then known world, all these pilgrims who had traveled to Jerusalem. And it says they all heard them praising God in their own language. They heard, so they heard these people come out of the upper room, which is a, a point in itself that they didn't stay hidden away from people. They didn't stay to have this blessed me experience, but the Holy Spirit propelled them out into the streets. In the, in the witnessing. But people heard them speaking in their own language. In other words, these were known languages. And that happens today. I've heard stories of people in meetings in other countries where somebody has gotten up and spoken in tongues and someone else has, has understood and said, you're, you're speaking, you don't understand it, but you're speaking a dialect of my language. That's happened many, many times. I've heard of missionaries going to new places and being able to speak the language of the people there, even though they had never been trained in it. So that, actually, let me tell you a local story. Because, you know, when we hear these stories, you always think of Africa or South America or Asia. This is a Portadown story. I was having coffee a while ago with Ross McBride, who's the pastor of Portadown Elam Church. Lovely guy, wonderful guy, wonderful church. And we were just chatting about stuff like this, about baptism and gifts of the Spirit. And he said, Craig, let me tell you something that happened. Because he says, like a lot of churches, we had kind of pushed some of this onto the back burner and, and we were really trying to move forward in this again. And he said, there was a fellow in my church. He had been only saved for a wee while. And he says, I went around to see him. He'd got a new house and I went around to bless the house. He wanted me to bless the house. And he said, it's somewhere else to be. But just as I'm heading out the door, he says, Pastor, tell me about that baptism in the spirit thing. And he's like, that's a longer conversation than I can have now. But he expressed a little bit about it, told him a little bit what it means to be baptized and filled with the spirit. And he said to the guy, uh, Ross said to the guy, why don't you just pray and seek God yourself for it? And he went and he never thought any more of it. About three days later, the guy comes up to him and goes, I got it, Pastor. I got it. Ross says, you got what? He says, I got the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He says, right, and what did you do? He says, I spoke in tongues. And then he says, well, then what did you do? And he, he pulled out a writing jotter. And he says, well, as I was starting to speak in tongues, I wrote down the sounds, like phonetically, I wrote down. And, and he says, I put them into Google Translate then. 
and it says that it was a form of Swahili language. And it came back that I was saying things like, Jehovah is Lord, God reigns, God is all-powerful. Isn't that incredible? And put it down. I love that. Because I believe it when it happens somewhere. Sometimes Sometimes I struggle with it. That's incredible. This guy had never spoken in tongues, writes it down, sticks it into Google, and comes back, and he's, he's praising God. That's exactly what we see in Scripture. It was a language. It was an actual known language, Swahili. So that's the first one. Like on the day of Pentecost. And it can happen in meetings where someone gets up. They don't know the language, but somebody else knows the language. Okay, the second one, and this is also the public one, tongues with interpretation in a public gathering. Look at 1 Corinthians 14. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in church and speak to himself and to God. Okay, so that could be an earthly language. It could be a heavenly language. It's just, it just says tongues. Okay. For many people, you will not have experienced this unless you've been around Pentecostal or charismatic churches. This isn't that common. Where somebody will get up to the front or somebody will stand up in the middle of, maybe at the end of the worship like we had this morning, and they will start to speak loudly in tongues. And the reason it doesn't happen much is because people like me are really nervous of it. Because we don't know if there's anyone to interpret it. Because the Bible really clearly says that there has to be somebody with the gift of interpretation. And we never know if there's somebody in the room with the gift of interpretation. And so I had an experience a number of years ago where someone did start speaking loudly in tongues in the middle of a Sunday meeting like this. And after a moment or two, once I realized everybody could hear them, I had to just gently say, look, just one second. I love that you're expressing your gift. But because we can all hear you now, and it's public, we need to see if there's anyone who can interpret what you've said already. And there wasn't. And so I said, thank you, but will you hold off and, and keep that to yourself? Because we don't have someone with the gift of interpretation. And that's exactly what it says in Scripture. If there's no one to interpret, they should speak quietly to themselves and to God. So that is, and like I said, that's the other type of tongue. You won't see it that often simply because we need there to be somebody that we know has the gift of interpretation. The third one and this is the one that I believe most Christians experience or can experience, but that there's also a lot of confusion about. And this is where you speak in tongues privately as a prayer language. And this is the one that I believe is available for. I believe it's available to everyone, but not everyone gets it for various reasons. But let me explain what I mean. It's where you pray in tongues privately as a prayer language. Paul in other places talks about praying in the Spirit. Now, some people could say that just means praying according to the Spirit's leading. I think we'll see, actually, that that's not the case. Ephesians 6, he says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions, because in other places he just talks about prayer. But you, dear friends, Jude, he says this, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. I think he is talking about praying in a prayer language here. Because let's see why. When Go back to 1 Corinthians 14. It's a chapter that talks about tongues more than any other chapter. Verses 1 and 2. Follow the way of love. Okay, so love is always at the heart of spiritual gifts. They're not there to pump us up. They're not there to make us proud. They're there to serve. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Eagerly desire. In other words, 
Paul says, pursue these things. Don't shy away. Don't back off from them. And this was a church that was a bit crazy about this stuff. Paul says, eagerly desire. Go after these things. Go after prophecy. Go after discernment. Go after wisdom. Go after tongues. Go after these things. Eagerly desire them. Especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue. I want you to see this, okay? For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries in the spirit. Okay, keep that first on the screen for a second. I believe here he's talking about a prayer language. Why? Because look at what he says. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people. Now, if it's a public one that we talked about earlier that needs interpretation, I am speaking to people. Do you see that? Yeah. It says they are not speaking to people. They are speaking to God. Now, if I were to go down to Hope Kids now, and I were to ask an eight-year-old, give me another word for speaking to God, what would they say? Prayer. Prayer. We complicate this so much. I don't think this has to be complicated. Prayer. So Paul here in chapter 14 is talking about prayer. We're not speaking to people. We're speaking to God. It's a prayer language. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries in their spirit. In other words, it's not something that you're doing with your conscious mind. It is something that the Holy Spirit is stirring up inside you. I believe that that's what most people have available to them, is this prayer language. Now, most, we have no problem with praying with our minds, okay? We pray for our family, we pray for friends, we pray for neighbors, we pray for financials, we pray for work, we pray for... We, that's praying with our minds. That's praying with understanding. But then there's an other language where you don't pray with your mind, but you pray with your spirit. And the Holy Spirit prays through you. Look at what it says in verses 14, 15. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with the spirit, with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit in tongues, but I will also sing with understanding. So Paul says, I do both. He says, when I speak in tongues, when I pray in the spirit, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. And actually, I was studying this this week. They actually did research in the last 10 to 15 years, where they took six Christian women who spoke in tongues and they attached like electrodes to their head and they watched to see what part of their brain was working. And when I'm speaking to you now, the frontal lobe is what's being used, okay? I'm not trying to get all technical, but I want you to say this. So I'm speaking consciously to you in English and this is the part, this frontal lobe. But when the people were speaking in tongues, the frontal lobe had no activity at all. Why? Because it wasn't coming from their brain. It was coming from their spirit. They also had research that showed that people who spoke in tongues had less mental health problems than people who don't. You can Google it. It's in Google, so it must be true. Um, so what Paul is saying is, look, I'm going, to, I'm going to do both. And that's what I do. I pray in English and I pray in tongues. Sometimes I pray in English more some days. Sometimes I pray in tongues more. And I think both are beneficial and both are helpful. Why? Why would you do it, Craig? Like, why would you bother with this other language when you can actually just pray in English? Well, Paul answers that. 
He says in 1 Corinthians 4, 4, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. In Jude 20, we read a moment ago, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. There is something Paul says that praying in tongues does. It edifies you. It builds you up. When you speak in tongues, when you pray in tongues, it edifies your spirit. It builds up your spirit. It does something within you. And Paul says this. He says, actually, I actually speak in tongues more than all of you. The Apostle Paul, the one who wrote what over half of the New Testament, the one who planted churches all over the world, he says the secret to my power is this, I speak in tongues more than all of you. So while I don't want to over-exaggerate tongues and make anyone because there's no second-class Christians, and we'll say, talk about that in a second, I don't want to underestimate it either. Because what I believe most of us will do if I do that is we'll say, it's not for me, it must be for somebody else. It's okay for you, Craig. It's okay for some super spirit, but it's not for me. And I believe that, that you should rule yourself in, not rule yourself out. Does every Christian speak in tongues? Every baptized in the Spirit Christian. The Pentecostal position would be yes, that the evidence of, of being baptized in the Spirit is speaking in tongues. I'm not as convinced as that. I believe most people can, and most people do. But maybe they haven't done it yet. I think of my friend Grace. Grace is a, a wonderful, godly woman. She's been brought up in an alien Pentecostal church her whole life. If you met Grace, you would just see Jesus shining out of her. She loves Christ. The Holy Spirit shines out of her. She's so faithful in serving. She would love to speak in tongues and has never done it. I've met many Christians who do speak in tongues and they're nasty and they're people you wouldn't want to be around. So tongues is not a badge of superiority or spirituality. One of my favorite preachers is a guy called Francis Chan. Guy who, again, just exudes the love of God, does missions all over the world. Just, just, he just exudes the Holy Spirit. He stood up at a conference recently, which was like a charismatic conference, and said, guys, I have never spoken in tongues. I would love to. It just hasn't happened. So what I am saying to you is this. If you don't speak in tongues, and you've wanted to for a long time, you're no more or less a Christian than someone like me who does. There are no second-class kids in the kingdom. But what I would also say to you is don't listen to that and immediately go, I'm one of those people and rule yourself out. Because I do believe that it's available to many more people who actually do it. And as we look at the Bible, it seems that when they were baptized in the Spirit, they spoke in tongues. Acts Acts 2, they were baptized in the Spirit, spoken tongues. Acts 10, they were baptized in the Spirit, spoken tongues. Acts 19, they were baptized in the Spirit, spoken tongues. They do seem to go together, but not always. Tongues is not a badge of spiritual maturity or superiority. There's many others who receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and they don't speak in tongues immediately, but it comes over time. And as I'll tell you in a minute, that was my experience. It's a gradual thing. It doesn't happen. And a lot of the time, can I be really honest, it's because of our personalities. Some of us are just a little bit more, and I put myself in there, a little bit more afraid of losing control than others. And when I used to hear about speaking in tongues, I used to have this feeling of it almost being like Holy Spirit possession. You know, like those horror movies, but like the, only with the Holy Spirit, where you're possessed and you have these, you're kind of foaming at the mouth and you have these ecstatic experiences. That's what I, I was like, I don't want that. That is not the case. 
You can start and you can stop. And you have to actually open your mouth. God will not prize open your lips. You have to speak the words yourself. So if you've prayed for to receive the baptism, if you've prayed to be speaking in tongues and you've never done it, don't assume that you're not going to. Let me finish by telling you just my story. I was brought up in a traditional Church of Ireland, robed choir, canticles, all of that. We didn't really hear too much about the Holy Spirit. I got saved just before my 15th birthday, uh, just before I started four, or first, yeah, fourth form in Portland College. And I was radically saved. I was, my life was changed. I was involved in Scripture Union, CE, uh, prayer meetings, anything. I would went to the Mother's Union if they'd let me. Um, you know, moms and tots, anything. I was really just radically saved. And then a few years later, just before my 16th birthday, actually, uh, it was the day I finished my GCSEs. I went up to stay with two friends, uh, friends' families in Port Stewart. It was a... Uh, Catherine Rainey and Ruth Rainey. Some of you might know Mildred Rainey and Roy, who used to live uh, down in this part of the country. They went to school with me, and uh, my friend Simon and I went to stay with them. They had a house in Port Stewart. And so we went up to stay with them uh, just before my 16th birthday. Just before my 17th, actually. It was 92. Um, And on the Friday night, we went to this church. And Remember, I had been brought up traditional Church of Ireland. So we went to this church and we pulled up at a warehouse. And I'm like, that's not a church. Where's the steeple? You know, where's the people? Um, like, like, it just wasn't a church. And we went in and, and there was no organ. I mean, like, and no robed choir. So in my head, again, that, that couldn't be a church. And people actually looked genuinely happy to be there, which they hadn't in the church that I'd been brought up in always. And, uh, and the music started, and it was like there was drums and guitars and keyboards. I mean, that's all, like there's something really not right there. Some people even danced. Now, don't get ideas. But some people started doing what they call the charismatic hop. Uh, I'm not even going to try it here because I'm just not. I did it in the first service, and I regretted it instantly. Um, that's what you miss out on, guys, if you don't get up. Uh, and, uh, and then I, I heard somebody speaking in a, quietly just in another language behind me. And I'm like, oh, it's great. We've got a racial diversity here in Port Stewart, you know. And then I heard somebody else. I'm like, goodness me. It must be the university, you know, the foreign students. Oh, this is great. And that was that. And on the way home, we were driving back from Coleraine to Port Stewart. Catherine was driving. Uh, now Catherine Scott, who her and her husband led the vineyard that we worked in in the North Coast. Um, we were driving back to, to Port Stewart and the car broke down on the way. And for about 10 minutes, Catherine tried to start the car and it kept turning over and nothing was happening. And guys, this was 92. There were no mobile phones. Imagine. And look at one of our teenagers here who cannot even comprehend that there'd be no mobile phones. Imagine no mobile phones, Rebecca. Yeah, she's, she's foaming at the mouth now even thinking about it. And we're stuck at the side of the road with a car that won't go. And so Catherine said, let's pray. And so I was, you know, in my best background, I was like, dear Heavenly Father. And she started speaking in this other language. And I'm like, what's going on here? And, and, uh, and at the end, she just went, thank you, Lord, that the car's going to start. And she turned the ignition and away we went. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm looking at Simon. Simon's looking at me. Because he was Baptist, you know what I mean? Like, he, he was further back than I was. Um, <laughs> 
And we're like, what's that? She's like, oh, that was just my prayer language. And I'm like, whatever that was, I want the starting car thing. You know what I mean? If, if you can get some words, some words that started, I, I want that. And so the next night we were back at the church this Saturday night. It must have been a special weekend. And uh, they talked about the stuff I'm talking about today and said, if anyone wants to be baptized as Spirit, everyone speak in tongues. And they, Simon and I went forward immediately because we wanted to be able to start cars. And... Uh, and, and they prayed for Simon, and Simon instantly starts speaking in this other language, just like the words are just beautifully flowing from his lips. And then they come to me next, and they pray for me, and I'm like, and they pray a bit more. Their hand on my head gets a wee bit tighter. And I don't know who, I'm feeling bad for them, and I'm feeling bad for me at this stage. And you know, they're starting to gently push, because if I'm not going to speak, at least I could fall over maybe. And uh, and just nothing happened. Absolutely nothing. And Simon's over there blabbering away and this, you know, like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah. And uh, he's speaking this other tongue and I'm not doing anything. I told you this before. I'm the guy that just, I, I'm just more reserved about stuff like that, my personality. Some of you will understand that. And so I went home a wee bit disappointed that night. But as I was lying in bed, you know, just, I was thinking about it and I was just, Saying, God, you know, I would love this. And I just started, a few wee words started coming into my head, and it's like, that's weird. It's almost like baby language. It's like, kata, kapo, kapa, Stop it, Craig, just go to sleep. Kupa, talaba, kuraba. Oh, you're totally making this up. Some of you are like, he's speaking in tongues, and there's no interpretation. Get over yourselves, okay? I'm trying to teach you here. Uh, you know what I'm doing. I was like, this is weird. These words are starting to come. I'm like, but I'm so making this up. I just want to be like Simon. And so uh, the next morning I woke up and I tried it again. And I was like, goodness me. Got home the next day. I went into my room, lay in my bed. Goodness me. I'm still making, I still am convinced I'm making this up. But then I ran, you know, I'm not even thinking about this. Like, I couldn't make it up. If I, I mean, you can make it up if you want. Do you want to know how you make it up? You say, Alava, Shandy, and Alpha Bacardi. <laughs> or Kiza Maciera, who stole a Mahonda. Okay? <laughs> if you want to make it up, you can do that. Okay? I, I was like, I, I'm not making this up. I couldn't be. And it just developed from there. Like, any language it developed, and it has grown, and it has flowed, and it has changed. And at times I've prayed in tongues more. And at times, quite honestly, I've set it aside. And there were years of my life where I didn't pray in the Spirit. Now I do it every single day. I pray in English and I pray in the Spirit. And it edifies me. And it builds me up. And it's also the gateway for other gifts I've found. That it opens my Spirit up to receiving other gifts. You don't have to speak in tongues. If you don't want to, can I say, God is not going to prize your lips open. But can I also say, why wouldn't you want to if you can get a prayer line? But maybe that's not what you want. Maybe you would like a different gift. Let me read. Because I believe this morning, I didn't even read these in the first service. I believe this morning God wants to give you a spiritual gift. I think sometimes we're like, well, if he's going to give it to me, he's going to give it to me. You know, do you know what the word receive in the Bible actually means? It's a word lambano. Lambano. I like that word, lambano. It doesn't mean to receive passively. It means to reach out and grab. In other words, if something is being offered to you, you can choose to receive it or not. But if you reach out and grab it, it's yours. That's what the word for receive when it comes to spiritual gifts is in the Bible. Let me read First Corinthians. And I want you to think through, you know what? What gift, what gift would I like? 
And you're like, well, it's a gift. I can't know. It says eagerly desire. It says ask and you will. James said you do not have because you do not. Okay, we're going to ask. We're going to ask. Now to each one, this is First uh, Corinthians 12. To each one the manifestation or the expression of the Holy Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. Maybe you need wisdom. Maybe you've come to the end of your own wisdom in the situation, maybe in work, maybe in trying to figure something out, and you need supernatural wisdom. That can come as a gift. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. That is where you know things about people that enables you maybe to pray for them. Sometimes I'll get up here and I'll say things like, somebody here's got you know a, a pain in their right leg or the whatever it is. That's that's a word what we call a message of knowledge. Okay, by means of the same spirit. To another faith, maybe you just need more faith. You need more faith. You need to believe that God can come through. To another gifts of healing, maybe you want to. Maybe you you see people who are sick and you're just so moved by compassion for them. And you think, I would love to pray for them, but I don't know. I believe God wants to give some of you gifts of healing today. To another miraculous powers. Maybe you just need to see more miracles in your life. To another prophecy. Maybe you want to hear God speak more clearly. Maybe you want to hear his voice more sharply. To another distinguishing between spirits. That's discernment. Maybe you need discernment. Maybe you're in situations where you're like, I don't know if that's God. There's just something off there. There's something I just, I need to be able to figure out what's God and what's not. That's the spirit of discernment. And to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. I'm going to pray now. And if you would like to receive one of those, why don't you just ask God for it? Let's just take a moment where we are. God, thank you for your Holy Spirit. And thank you when your Holy Spirit comes, he comes with gifts. And thank you that you're a generous God. And so, Holy Spirit, as we ask you now, we pray for an impartation and a manifestation of your gifts. Some of you are going to get discernment. Some of you are going to get wisdom. Some of you this week are going to start to discover that you think about things differently than you did. Some of you are going to pray for somebody this week and they're going to get healed and you're going to be shocked. Some of you are going to speak in tongues for the first time later today when you get home. Some of you watching online are going to speak in tongues even today as you're watching this. Some of you are going to be in meetings or prayer meetings and somebody's going to quietly whisper in tongues and you're going to be able to interpret it. Some of you are going to get information about people that will help you to pray for them. You're going to be standing beside somebody in work and you're going to be, look, can I just ask, have you... Have you been suffering from migraines recently? And they're going to say, how did you know? God's going to show you that and you're going to pray for them and they're going to be healed. The Holy Spirit just loves to give gifts. He loves to. But do you want to take it? Take it. And if you don't want it, that's okay. He's not going to force it on you. But why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you?